have you been anyway? Uh, somehow managed to um, tear my hamstring. What? Yeah, exactly. And I know it's a tear because I've pulled it before. I've never been um, I've never been athletic enough to actually uh, actually tear my hamstring. <laughs> I was never that explosive. <laughs> I've pulled it a few times. Don't get me wrong. Through not warming up properly or pretending I'm twenty years of age and can run like a gazelle when clearly I can't. But um, I was doing um, I was doing a workout yesterday with Charlie. And I was trying to show him how to do um, lunges properly, you know, get your knee right down into it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then today I woke up and I've got an absolutely, an absolutely isolated, right underneath the buttock, almost like a slab of pain um, that is hot mm. when I move. Um, it's definitely not sciatic, even though it's in that rough area, because uh, I've never, never suffered with my sciatic nerve. I know what it is, but I've never suffered with it. Um but yeah, this just feels like like a pull only a lot more sensitive. Like I drove my car today to go get some shopping for my mum, and uh, it even hurt to drive the car. And I was like, do you know what? Oh, um, I know exactly what this is. This is a little yeah. tear. This. Um, so I'm gonna rest it for a couple of days and then see how we get on. How are yeah. you anyway? Yeah, lay off it for a bit. Yeah, I'm sound. Um, tipping over, not injured. So you know, there's always a plus side. Fair enough. She's rubbing it in now, aren't you? I mean. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's one thing that kind of pissed me off yesterday, if I'm completely honest with you, and I'd Go like on. to get into it. Go on. You put a poll out on Twitter. Oh, this again. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the results, by the way? Uh, do you know something? I haven't, and I want to keep your place on uh, my Twitter feed. Well, I've got a couple of bits. I'm going to bring it up, because we're going to get into it. <sighs> Go on. You put a poll out saying the best kind of cake. Right. Um, yeah, your, your options were Victoria Sponge, Red Velvet, yeah. Chocolate fudge and other, which, you know, it's a lot of options out there. But let's focus on the, the front three. Do you want to know the results of the poll? Is it finished, yeah? Oh, yeah, well, it's, not, it's, it's not, but it might as well be. Um, Victoria Sponge, 26%. Um, Red Velvet, 26%. And Chocolate Fudge, 41%. Oh, Chocolate Fudge. Well, what? So... But now I'm, now I'm okay. How many votes? 27, but it's an irrelevant. It might as well be 27,000. You've got to admit, though, there's still a market out there for Victoria Sponge. It's, it's the a, worst cake on. It's not the worst cake. It's a horrid cake. As I put, it's rotten. As it's is not Red rotten. Red it's Velvet. Not rotten. <laughs> Red Velvet's a great cake as well. What is wrong with you? Rotten. Good God, man. Uh, Victoria Sponge is the Griezmann of cakes. <laughs> Overhyped, and people think it's better than it is. And Red Velvet can be the Neymar of cakes. No, I don't like Neymar. Oh, you can't have that. All no. the bells and whistles, but at the end of the day, eh. Chocolate fudge is the Kylian Mbappe. It produces. It looks great. It's fantastic. Interesting. And that's how we're starting this. It's a football podcast, I promise. Yeah, honestly. Um, so we'll get straight into it, then, eh? Let's do it. Okay, so a couple of things I wanted to pick up on. Um on Twitter as sports stories, if that's okay, just before yeah. we launch into anything specific, which we don't usually do anyway, however. Um, so there's been a tweet put out from, uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. In fact, you know what? I am. Domingetti Joel is uh, in French media. Um, and he's put a story, he writes for, is it Le Creep? Yeah, and he's put out a tweet today that says the pro championship has been completed, fixed rankings, and PSG are champions of Ligue 1. Oh. So they've been given the championship. Um, so the report suggests PSG are going to be crowned as Ligue 1 champions, which is quite big news from France, to be fair. Um, and it's likely to be used as a template to cross Europe, providing it's true, of course, obviously. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of that? I, yeah, I didn't know about that. That's interesting. It's interesting considering Belgium have given it to Club Rouge. Mm-hmm. However, they delayed a meeting that was scheduled to discuss whether they would do a U-turn, which mm-hmm. in itself, like we were chatting about the other day, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, Ajax didn't win it in Holland, did they? Holland went, it's not happening, no one's getting it. So now that France have gone, oh yeah, we're doing the same as Holland, but we're giving them the league, or the Dutch league, will they reverse? Will, is this story from France true? Like, this is the decisions everyone's got to make. Mm. And um, if I'm honest, I, I don't know why it's not just universal. It, I feel like it needs to be universal to keep it clean. 
yeah, I see your point. What's your thoughts on it? It's a little bit different in terms of um, the French League and the Dutch League. I mean, the Dutch League, as we know, Ajax were top on goal difference, mm-hmm. which is quite easily um, quite easily usurped. Um, goal difference can be swung on a single game, let's be honest. So you just don't know what's going to happen with that one. So it's quite a brave decision. Um, but equally, I understood it because at the end of the day, it was so close. But PSG are 12 points clear with, with a game in hand of Marseille. Um, they've outscored them by thirty odd goals, thirty eight goals, something like that. Yeah. So that is done and dusted. That's an easy decision to make. Similar to if they were to null and void the uh, the Premier League, and they would say, "Oh, Liverpool are going to be given the championship," you'd be like, "Yeah, twenty five points clear with what nine games to go, eight nine games." Yes, sound help yourself. Help yourself. It's not a problem at all. Um. So yeah, I can understand PSG giving it, and I can understand. And it'd be say saying no to Ajax, saying, you know, it, it is what it is. You were only on goal difference, so you're not an out and out champion. Yeah. It's it, it every single time we seem to, to talk about this, something else has changed with it. Uh, you know, another league's made a decision, like, you know, off the back of that reading then before the president of France, um, Macron, you know, he's like urging if the reports are believed to be true, he's urging every other federation to follow suit you yeah know, every government to prevent football till you know or sport until september at the earliest to then be reviewed and he's urging everyone to do the same i i fall in line with that you know we put a poll out on twitter um the other day asking you know off the back of the uefa saying everyone needs to make their call by may 25th yeah um, would you null and void it or would you restart it and finish it? And 70, I think it was just below 75%, 74 something, voted to null and void it. Right, okay. The rest were finishing, sorry, restart and finish it. I, I, it's As we go day by day, I don't see how you restart and finish any of these leagues. Mm. The landscape constantly changes, doesn't it? It depends on, obviously the longer it goes on, the, I think the harder it is to try and push to get it done with... Yeah with the seasons being so close to being done as they were anyway. Um, I think with the benefits of hindsight, and obviously that is a great aid, um, everybody would have been better just calling this and not seeing how it went. Yeah. But just as soon as the government has said, look, this is what's happening, it's going to take us about... If the government could have come out and said, give us six to eight weeks and we'll be able to update, um, then I probably would have liked the, the Premier League and Liga and the Divise and La Liga to just go, do you know what? That's us. Where it is, is where it's landed. That's it. Move on. We'll plan for next year. Um, but coming back to Macron um, and asking all the other federations to um, to do the same thing and to deliver the same message, that just makes their job easier because it means that if he can get his agenda, which is get it cancelled and nothing until September, right across Europe, then he doesn't look like a bad guy. No, I mean, personally, I don't think they've come across... I'd like to think they don't look bad. I'd like to think the three leagues that have cancelled at the moment in Holland, Belgium and France aren't being portrayed as bad or weak or like jumping the gun. Yeah. Like, no, that, I, certainly not by me, but No, of course not. Certain people will look at it and think, Oh hang on a second, what's going on there? Why why has that happened? Um, you know, what are the recriminations for, for me and mine? Because obviously people are selfish in their nature and it comes back to football's tribal attitude and, and mentality of, you know, you defend what is yours, you defend what you believe in and certain factions of the Premier League will quite quite uh, quite staunchly defend their team. But the problem you've got is you've got the Premier League saying, yeah, let's push it, let's get back, let's get it done. And it's not even about giving Liverpool a title, it's not about making sure Norwich go down safely or, or rather, not safely, but go down ethically right and morally right by playing their games and having their chance. It's about safety, it's about health, it's about... The longevity of the game. I mean, if you think about it, you're going to force everybody to go back. And it's and if it's not about Liverpool winning the league, and it's not about the three at the bottom going down, you're asking teams who are going to be mid-table to put their players at risk. And for what? They're not going to get any benefit. They're not chasing the league. They're not going to go down. They're just going to play mid-table football just so the Premier League can say, yeah, well, we finished ours. That's the thing. I read this morning, and it, and it, it kind of like reinforced my theory that this is becoming a bit of a farce and mm. he said the Premier League are going to want to organise behind closed doors friendlies before the resumption of the fixtures that will be behind closed doors to get the match fit and I was like this is becoming a bit of a shambles now 
Like, if we have to play a friendly, it's yeah. a bit. Like, who do you play friendly against? You can get you can get match fit in a Premier League club by playing against your reserve team or your under twenty threes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could you squad numbers around about twenty four, twenty five. Obviously, some teams will have injuries. Some teams will have players you don't want to play this, that, and the other. But you should be able to put two squads out. Yeah. Between like, your first team and your under twenty threes, or your under twenty ones, or your reserves, whichever way you want to look at it, you should be able to put two teams out. And if you really want to push it as a club to say we need match time before we go back and play then that's how you get around it you keep it in house you don't need to be extending that risk across the country by travelling somewhere to play a game even keeping it in house extends the risk it does you yeah. drag in the reserves and the, the, the under the youth teams in and it's like yeah. why and it, again it's just adding to the you know the theory that this is getting a bit like now it's gone on for that long they're not match fit yeah. And you're like, like, I like to, it seemed like UEFA came out when, right, May 25th, you've all got to make a call on what you're doing. And then a day or so later, France come out and go, nah, just let's move on. Because like I said in the last episode, my concern starting next season, not even finishing this one. Because if these bands fall till September and others follow suit, we're not playing preseason friendlies. We're not. Exactly. You know, and PSG have come out and said, oh, if the Champions League carries on, we'll play abroad. That's getting messier. It's all, end them all. Try and work out how you're going to start next season, which more than likely, if it goes ahead, will be delayed and will more than likely be behind closed doors. It'd be a bad idea. So, just on the um, on the Premier League restarting and stuff, I, mean, I noticed the story today in the Daily Mail, which is not my favourite newspaper, however. Um, somebody has tweeted it, and I've come across it, um, Online, uh, wrote by uh, Sammy Mockbell for the Daily Mail. Um, headline of Premier League is planning to play on, even if positive corona tests occur amongst players and/or staff. What? So the Premier League's plan to resume group training mid-May and it's looking to play in June, which we obviously know. Um, medics from the Premier League, from different Premier League clubs, have, uh, have apparently come out and said that they don't believe one positive test will cause the season to collapse. Um, so the Premier League, obviously that that headline there. Premier League is planning to play on, even if is a bit misleading. Um, which is another reason I don't usually read the Daily Mail. However, it paints a picture, doesn't it, of money over morality. Um, yeah. Which obviously we've touched on and doesn't sit right with us personally. However, ultimately it's it's not our decision. Is it? We just have to roll with whatever we're dealt with, basically. But yeah, it's just. See, it's just smacks of desperation, especially when France or right, it doesn't generate the income that the Premier League does, and as a business, it's been an easier decision to say this is us, we're done. Yeah. But for me, the Premier League title is done. Uh, Liverpool have won it. It is what it is. It's had its own up since December. Um, the fact of the bottom three, as I said to you last time, if you played 28 games and you're in the bottom three, then unfortunately you run that risk over those first 28 games. It's nobody to blame but yourself. I just I, I don't see how you can sit and say if, if, if someone gets it, it it's not a risk it's it's the risk it's the whole point we're trying to avoid is yeah. other people getting it and then if that's true there's people sitting there going yeah but if one or two get it like you know there's a bigger squad like that's yeah, but it's, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like the one that came out where FIFA were like if if we when we come ahead we're gonna we're gonna let everyone do five substitutes I'm like well that's solved it then. Why are you changing the laws of the game? Yeah. To fit this, you know what I mean? The laws of the game are the laws of the game. Match fit, and they're going to need to be able to swap more, and it just again smacks of. Now, there's a different angle that I was thinking about before, and I can appreciate that massively. That if sport is back on the TVs, Mm. whether it's football, it's boxing, it's you know, it's cricket, it's tennis, it's whatever, it is going to be a boost to the country in the sense of people are going to be a bit more uplifted in the sense of, oh, look what's on, like, you know, I can watch this, you know, I can, you know, there's going to be a bit more of a buzz. However, if you weigh that up against the risks of the people that will be doing that, I don't see how you can sit there and go, ah, look what it will do for the country, but potentially put your life at risk for that. I don't see how you can say that to someone. Well, quick question for you. If you were to play at a Premier League club and somebody and your club approached you now and said, right, um, we're going to be starting up again in June, and you say, right, okay, well, what about coronavirus? They go, ah, don't worry about it. We're going to test you twice a week to make sure you're all right. Would you go and play? 
Would you run that risk? Because getting tested doesn't mean you're immune. Getting tested just means that if you get it, ah, well, you've got it. I um, I would refuse personally. I, I like to think I would refuse, but equally, I, I, I would. I think you, equally, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, I'd like to think I'd say no. But then you know, then finances and contracts, and but again, it comes back to money. Like every single time, it comes back to money, and we knew this from day dot. Like we said, when they cancelled the, as soon as they cancelled the non-leagues and the grassroots football, that became clear. And now you start to see as we get to the higher levels, it's the leagues that make the less money, even though it's still major money, the ones that make the less of that are starting to trickle away. Like Belgium have come out, Holland have come out, France have come out. It wouldn't surprise me if things like the Portuguese league start to fall by the wayside and then you suddenly get this and that and then we get towards sort of the top Four, yeah, three. you're waiting. You're waiting for Germany, Spain, Italy, and and ourselves to make a decision. Yeah. Aren't you really? Let's be honest. And the irony behind it as well is, if those four all cut it, they probably turn around. UEFA would probably turn around and go right every league, call it now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like if the Prem and the La Liga came out and went, we're done. Titles awarded, seasons voided. They would probably turn around. Everyone would probably turn around and do it. But it seems like everyone's going. We'll wait for them to do it. We'll wait for them to do it. And it's like, let's just, we've got another excuse, we've got a reason to keep going, let's wait and see. Mm. Did you see that one about the talk sport with Simon Jordan on? Yeah, and um, I've seen the soundbite that, well, i watched the soundbite that was sent out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's had some controversies in the past and he's had some, like, you know, he said some things. Because he always speaks from the heart. He yeah. just says what he believes, what he believes is right at that time and yeah. people don't like that. I, I don't mind him at all, me. No, no, I, I, I don't mind him. The one he said about, this all happens, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, this all goes ahead and someone gets it and someone dies from it or something. That's corporate yeah. manslaughter. Yeah. And they were like, they've got to weigh that up. And I'm like, how is that even a decision to weigh up? None mm. so, would you on that. It, and again, it, it, it just all circles back to money. I was chatting to my dad about this last night. I was saying, maybe this is the perfect time for football to have a bit of a reset. Mm-hmm. But that is what you just—I already know that's wishful thinking. Yeah, I mean, the the romanticist of me, the romanticist side of me, anyway, would um, would love a little bit of a reset. I mean, I fell in love with football during the nineties. I mean, I was I was born early eighties, and I'm, as a youngster, I, I watched football, but I was never really enamoured with it. But as soon as you get old enough to start making your own decisions, and and you're able to go out and do your own things, like I was a child of the nineties. Very much used to spend most of my summers out on the old school field playing football, pretending to be whoever the popular footballer was at the time. Um, and I fell in love with football in the nineties. And for me, that's when obviously the Premier League started in ninety two. That's when the money started in fluxing. That was the best time ever because it wasn't stupid money. It was at the time. I mean, I remember Alan Shearer going to Newcastle for fifteen million and being a record sign at the time. And I was like, mm. fifteen million for a player. Now, if you sign a player for fifteen million and he doesn't flop, you look at it and go. He wasn't that bad. Do you know what I mean? It's the money has changed so much in the game, and it, it just keeps getting higher and higher. And every year it becomes more ridiculous. I mean, Neymar went for what? What was it? Two hundred and twenty-seven million. Something like that, and that's only what was declared. What is that all about? It, it you know, <laughs> look. I understand that there's a lot of irony behind me saying I don't like money in football. As a Chelsea, Chelsea fan, you have no right <laughs> to ever complain about money in football. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate the irony, and also that I'm sitting there going, I'm not bothered if Newcastle get money in. Like, I'm excited. Who says that you can't do that? Like, I appreciate that on one hand I'm saying you can't decide who brings what amount of money into what club. Yeah. And on this side, I'm saying football needs a hard reset. I'm not opposed to salary caps. I'm not opposed to transfer spends. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that's polar opposite, and I don't mind either way. I don't mind Newcastle coming in and having money thrown at them at the way football is set up, because football's set up in a way where that's allowed, so you can't pick and choose who gets that. Mm-hmm. I would like it if it was flipped the other way, and it's like, it's, it's, it's even playing fields now. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it like, like, I don't know what, you know, like how in America, in a lot of the sports, you know, the draft system. Yeah. And it's posed so the team who did the worst gets the first pick. Yeah, give them a chance to bridge the gap. 
Yeah. I don't know if I want that. I would like to see a draft brought in, I'll be honest. It just gives Sky something else to broadcast. <laughs> Let's be completely honest. Um, I personally would like to see the wage cap come in where they say, right, okay, well, you're only allowed to pay any player X amount, but then the problem with that is, as soon as the Premier League say we're going to bring a cap in, you can only earn up to 150k a week, and that's your lot. Every player who's worth the salt goes, right, well, I'm going to go and play in La Liga, or I'm going to go and play you know, elsewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to go Serie A, I'm going to drain money out of Juve. But then, I suppose if one major league does it, then the other major leagues look at it and go, well, they're only coming over here to take our money. Now we're all right. We'll stick with what we've got. Yeah. And maybe you would see less of an exodus of players. I don't know. I don't know how it would be, how it'd be taken. I mean, the biggest jump would be the the way yeah. the agents. Mm. For me personally, I would like to see a cap on agents where you say, well, you can earn what you want off your clients. However, off the football club, you can only take up to 2% of any deal. Yeah. You want to claim more money? See your clients. My dad said this uh, when I was chatting to him yesterday. You know, in the last episode when we brought up, there'll be a lot more player swaps. Yes. My dad said when he was listening to that, the first thing he thought about was, well, the agents won't let that happen because how are they going to get their cut from the player swap? Exactly. How are they getting their pound of flesh? Yeah, and I, and I went, I never even thought of that. And that is a huge, it shouldn't be. It should be an irrelevance. It should be tough shit. It should be tough shit. This is what your client wants. Shouldn't you be happy? Yeah. And then they go, oh, oh, yeah, but, you know, and it's like that. And the the thing we would say about the salary caps is the only way it works is if it's universal. And it's only going to be universal if the likes of FIFA and UEFA bring it in. And as we know from recent history, they're not exactly the most uncorrupt groups of people at the moment. So it's never going to work. Probably not, no. I mean, I would like to see someone just take control of the situation. I, I don't know who it would need to be, whether it be the Premier League, whether it be the, the PFA, whether it be the clubs get together and decide, look, we're doing something about agents' fees, whereby we're refusing to pay them for a season. Or I'd just like somebody, whether it be FIFA, UEFA, Premier League teams get together, I don't know, the Premier League themselves as an organisation, the FA... Somebody just take a hold of it and say that the money in the game is absolutely terrific and it's great and it's growing the game and it's fantastic, but let's make sure it's distributed in the right places. So instead of an agent sitting there with a player and saying, I'm going to get this player to move to wherever I, I goddamn feel like because I want more money. And we'll use um, the guy from Sutherland Till I Die, what was his name? Josh Madger. Oh, yes. Where from what we've seen on the TV, it was all set up because the agent knew if I get him abroad, I get more money and then I am more off him. How's that right? Yeah. How is that right? Do you know what I mean? That money that gets transferred between two clubs should be either there solely to profit the club selling the player who owned his contract, or it should be filtered into football some other way and maybe fed down to grassroots some way. I don't know. It, I don't have the answer, but equally, I think somebody much more clever than me and somebody much more in a, in a better position than I am or will be um, can get together and say, you know what, this is how the money is attributed and this is where it needs to be going but at the moment it's just getting absolutely ridiculous you know you hear like the old players like you know like especially the John Terry's and that they talk about how they went in and they cleaned the boots and they cleaned the you know the changing rooms and they were doing this and doing that and and it was their apprenticeship yeah earning your stripes now you make 40 grand a week yeah, How? as a twenty-year-old out on loan at um, Antwerp, is it? Like, you send them or spend? Test, test. Test, and there but, you like, go, yeah. but that's you, you. You can make that money and play on the reserve team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not even like playing in the the era division, and and that's that's where they get like the game. We've lost it in that sense. I don't see. I don't see how you get it back. Yeah, you can. It. I mean, you can quite easily. You go salary cap, deal with it. Mm. But you know that's. So everyone is going to then lose out and it takes someone at the top to lose themselves to bring it back. Do you know what I was thinking about one then? You know, if there's no relegation, say, say we don't relegate anyone. Yeah. The parachute payments. Say no one gets relegated. That means the parachute payments are going to them. Yeah. I would like to see that money reinvested across the leagues for the clubs that need it. Which is a top shout. However, you could... Um, argue that the teams in the championship currently who are going to have the parachute payments stopped this year 
you could always reallocate it to them to keep their heads up because you get a three, I believe it's a three year payment with the parachute payments, is it? Yeah. When you go down, you get a, a large sum, a smaller sum, a smaller sum again mm. by the third year, and then you should be self sufficient. Um, so there, there are going to be teams who got relegated three years ago who are going to stop receiving those payments. They're, they're fine. They keep them. So Just, where are you looking to allocate it? So like the Norwich, the Aston Villa, and the St. Wolves at Watford, whoever the bottom three were, Almost. those three would have got it. <laughs> You're way too happy about that. The, the, <laughs> the, three, the three that would have got relegated, that yeah. would have got that first payment, second payment, third payment, because I don't know if that, those three years out, because then surely the next teams they get relegated start the next three years. Yeah. So that those and those three have a three years between them. So they've got a block of money yeah, that's yeah. reserved for those three over three years. Take that money and go from League Two, League One, Sunday League, whoever needs it, and set up a fund that can go, right, we're going to help there, we're going to help there, we're going to try and help there, we're going to try and help there with this money. And it, if you want to put more in it, put more in it, but use put, put that straight in a fund. It's a great idea. However, we both know that the Premier League are, are very, very reluctant to pay money down the pyramid. Look, and look at the current stage of grassroots football, exactly. Sunday league football, Saturday league football, and local leagues. You've got teams folding it everywhere. You've got leagues collapsing everywhere. And the money in the Premier League keeps going up and up and up and up and up. But it, the problem is it doesn't filter back down. Look at Betty AFC. We have just been formed. Betty AFC are a brand new team led by the fans after the collapse of Betty Football Club. Mm. Betty shouldn't have Betty shouldn't have been folding there. Wimbledon. Not a chance. Wimbledon shouldn't have been folding. These, these teams shouldn't be folding. They, they're institutions. They're, they've been in football for, for years. But they, they, somebody should have been helping them out. And I personally would have liked to see the Premier League. Look at someone like Betty and think, well, they're not going to reach the Premier League. Let's be honest. So let's set up a fund whereby all the clubs put in, let's say, 250k over a year, which is nothing for a Premier League football club. Mm. They will. Some of them will pay ten times that in agent fees alone. Yeah, right. Let's, let's everybody put that together, and we'll put it in a fund. And if any lower league football club comes up and says we're struggling financially, blah, 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 we've got X amount where we can dip in and say, well, we'll give you that to give you another month to go and find a buyer, or we'll prop you up with this, or we'll pay staff's wages so you don't have to worry about that expenditure or overhead. There's got to be a way around it. For me personally, the Premier League. Um, and we've discussed this off camera a while ago. Um, I am falling out of love with it, and yeah, that was before that. That, that, that was before the coronavirus hit. Mm. We went to watch local um, football up by us, which was um, we've been to a Cheshire Lions game yeah. here in the Northwest Cheshire League. We've been to the Prescott Cables game. We've been to Perps game. Um, we've been to oh Jesus, Radcliffe Butter for the promotion yeah. game. I went and watched Garswood FC over there at. at Northwest Cheshire um, team as well and every time I go there's 40, 50 people or there's 200 people and it just feels more of a, a community feel it's, it's a game of football you go to yeah. the Premier League games like, and obviously I'm, I'm a season ticket holder at Everton I seem like a massive hypocrite to have a season ticket but I share it with um, with my brother so I go to some games he goes to some games um, we take turns taking my son Charlie obviously yeah. but I go and I think oh, can I be bothered today I can just access it at home on the TV. Why am I bothering to go out in the pissing down rain? Or while it's really cold, or I haven't really got the money to be going this weekend. That's where, for six quid, eight quid, nine quid, I can go to Prescott Cables, go and watch a decent standard of football in a decent little stadium, and it's two minutes up the road from me. Yeah. There's no prima donnas, there's no sell, 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 buy, buy, buy from them. Everything's a bit more homely of a feel. And you, you get the feeling that every penny you go and spend, whether you buy a pint or you buy a scarf or you buy a pie, is going back in to keep the club alive. Yeah. yeah, it's going back in to keep that club alive. But if I cancelled my season ticket tomorrow, Everton Football Club wouldn't even notice. They would never notice. No. It's like, it's like it comes back, you know when you're saying about these funds and that? And, yeah. And there's, there's, there's two ways I want to go on this. One is... What just because they've been around for years and some of them hundreds of years, what gives them the right that just because they've messed up and been ran poorly that they get saved? As we go, as we go, and I appreciate this is like got a bit of something to it, like as we go further and further and further down, turning this into a business, and it's a business, and sports a business, and football's a business, unfortunately, you don't just get all the beauty of it. 
you also get the bad side, which is there are bad business people out there. There are people that don't have a clue how to run a business. There are people that can run a business but don't have a clue to run a football club. And that more and more of those people, as we've said before, are getting involved in football. And I think that's the issue. I, everyone says there should always be a fit and proper test. I don't know how you can do a fit and proper test. It's a gamble. Every time someone buys a club, it's a gamble whether they're going to know what they're doing. Like someone like Roman Abramovich can come in, someone like the Saudis can come in, the people who own Manchester City, but then you could have someone that comes in and buys Blackpool, Blackburn, Sunderland. People that suddenly decide, I'm pulling the money out, I'm not interested. Portsmouth, minutes away from going, bust. As we go more and more into turning this sport into a business, which we're already way down the road in anyway, this is now part and parcel of it. And part of me is like, I don't want to see the clubs go, but part of it's, I don't see how you can judge it. You can't, because as we were saying with the mental side of the actual game itself, you can't, you can't predict that. You can't predict someone whether someone's going to run a football club well. No, you can't. I think, and I'll use Betty FC as, a, as an example. That club's been around, as you say, for years. Um, it's an institution in the local community. It does a lot for the local community in terms of employing local people and, and being there as as a community standard club. Um, I don't think that that football club should have paid the price for the fact that the owner came in and didn't have an absolute clue what he was doing, getting in arguments with players, and doing on talk sport, um, and the captain of the team phoned up. Yeah. And had absolute murder with the owner on the airwaves. I don't believe that that, that the football club and the, the people, the members, the fans, the community should have paid the price because he ran the club into the ground. No, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And then the angle you look at it is, which can be spun, is someone comes in, buys Berry, mm. got a bit of money behind him, we're going to make a push. Mm. Oh, it turns out I didn't have a clue. I'm pulling my money. Your club might go bankrupt. I'm off. Then someone else comes in and goes, you took a chance as a club. It didn't work out. Here's some cash you'll find. Everyone else who didn't take a chance, go, you know, carry on as normal. But if you take it, it's like a free hit. It is if it's not marshaled correctly, if it's not if it's not thought out correctly. So in that instance, what you're saying there is if it goes down, it, it, if if somebody pulls the money out and they walk away and the club's in danger of going down and this Premier League slush fund's there and they go, right, we'll just give it to him. I'm not talking about it being that black and white. I'm talking about it, obviously, you know, guys come in, he's, ma- he's made a job of it or a hash of it and it's gone wrong. Or for whatever reason, then, yeah, there should be a support mechanism there only because the money is in the game. The money is in the game. The money is coming in to the PFA. It's coming into the FA. It's yeah. coming in via the Premier League. Somebody needs to be siphoning off a fair amount of it and saying that's got to be for the good of the game because the game doesn't exist at the Premier League level without all of these propping it up because if all if let's say League 2 loads of those clubs will have had or have had financial issues because the League 2 clubs massively yeah you know yeah let's say the League 2 just collapses away and we go oh I'll tell you what we've only got League 1 Championship and Premier League now because we can't sustain it that's a business model um, loads of them are fell away due to coronavirus, can't afford to run. So we're just going to run three leagues. Now, somebody in the FA will look at it and go, you can't have League One, Championship and Premier League. So we're going to have to rebadge it. When you rebadge it, you rebrand it, which costs money. Then you've got to remarket it. Then you've got, well, there's only three leagues in the. What do we do? Do we bump the conference up one? No, because then the standards drop a little bit. So you don't hold as much weight. So you've got to think about the long-term ramifications of it. I personally would like to see the Premier League with its millions stop spending on agents' fees and start spending in the game to invest in English football. English football is not just the Premier League. Football didn't begin in '92 when Sky slapped a label on it. Exactly. Football existed long before them and it will exist long after them, but only if we protect it. Yeah, I, I think I, I 100% agree with you that if, Clubs start to go, it's the, the quality eventually drops. I think that massively hurts the England national team because let's be honest, they're not coming out the prem at the moment. No, we're starting to see a little bit, maybe potentially, but we don't know. You look at the MLS. I know it's completely different, but you can't get relegated from that. So, eh, imagine if you, and we were talking about this European Super League. What if you can't yeah. get relegated from that? Imagine if England turned into like, well, you can't get relegated from League One now because grassroots football died. England. Yeah, because we killed it by keeping all the money on the top. Could you imagine, right, if 
this European Super League reared its head and off they went. And the Premier League suddenly went from 20 down to, eight, down to say, 16 teams. Yeah. And you're looking at thinking, right, it's only 16 teams. Tell you what, we'll put a few championship ones up there and we'll move everyone up a little bit. But then coronavirus kills most of the teams who are in the conference or it kills most of the teams in League yeah. 2. And you think, right, okay, well, now we've got a very, very diluted down pro- product. And the Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, Tottenham potentially, aren't here anymore. So where's yeah. the money going to come from? And then all of a sudden, you see a slow decay from the inside. Yeah, I think the football because don't <laughs> because those at the top kept taking the slice and looking yeah. after themselves. It's got to be right across the board, man. Otherwise, it will die on its backside. Go on. I know you're going to say go on. What percentage? Are you, this might not be what you thought. What percentage of the clubs to the Bundesliga fans own? Is it fifty-one? I think it's fifty-one. Yeah, I think. 51, they have to be the majority shareholders. It's not going to happen, but what a dream that would be. It's a fantastic model. You and I went over to Germany. We were quite lucky to go over in February and catch a yeah. few games at different levels. Mm. And we went and watched Hertha Berlin against... Go. Oh, my God, it's gone. <laughs> wow. Hang on, the ticket's on there. Who the hell's it going to look like? You'll have to find out now. Oh, um, mine. Ah, FC wow. Mainz. And Kleizon, Kleizon plays up front, scored a hat trick. Yeah. Jürgen um, Klinsmann left <laughs> after that game. As we, um, as we blatantly see coming from that game. Yeah, he was just sat there. He was like, yeah, I'm not really bothered. What, what minute is it? 65? All right, sub time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. typical. And now we're gone. Now I can change it. Mate, the game's gone. What are you doing? Anyway, yeah. we were looking <laughs> to go to um, Germany. We spoke to that concierge in the hotel who was an Union Berlin fan. Oh, and he spoke with passion about his team yeah. and he was like yeah yeah we, we were talking about the model of you know you guys own your club and he was like yeah no one owns our club but us we own our club we lease it to the company to run for us but it's our club yeah. it belongs to us and he spoke with such passion about it he had his tattoo on his arm on his forearm remember that Union flag yeah, yeah. beautiful went and watched Hertha and even though they were in an Olympic stadium that was given to them a la City a la West Ham It'd be like playing at Wembley. Yeah, it was it was unique. It was authentic. It was you felt like you were part of something. You weren't just going to a game. You felt like you were in a family almost. Yeah. I mean, we, we stood on the concourse outside and we had a few drinks and we had some food. Chatted to a few locals and, and I was blown away by the um, the denim jackets with all the badges and stuff. Yeah, it was um, different level. It just yeah, yeah. It just felt like you were going to like like a family event. I don't want to sound cheesy, but it was like it was a family event. Everybody was there for the no, same reason. Go and have a laugh and to go and watch a game. As we go to the Premier League and you walk up and where I walk up, you walk past where the away fans park the buses. And I have me, me lad with me, he was only 13 recently. Um, and I used to have to hold them next to me. I'm like, oh, Donald, if we're playing United today, you know what? It can be like between United fans and Everton fans. Or we'd be playing um, Tottenham and they're just as bad. Um, when as, as away fans go, um, it has kicked off a few times. Um, and I constantly arm round them, but I was up there. And I was, everything was so chill. Everyone was mixed in. There was no real segregation outside. It was just a big family atmosphere. But like you say, we were outside for like over an hour, just chilling. Just to let then, you know, we, we were there four hours before kickoff. That's how <laughs> must have been. An hour was, in. I had like an hour, <laughs> four hours. We were there for like four hours yeah. outside. Then we get go through a bit of security, bang, tickets through, we scan the tickets wrong or whatever and we nearly think we're not getting in. Then we get in and then we're outside. We're yeah, inside yeah. but we're outside yeah, yeah. for like an hour or so and then you go in and you watch the game and then the game was good. But it was what it was. It was a great game and the stadium's unbelievable. It's the banner on our Twitter if you're yeah. interested. And then we leave and then we, we head out and then we walk towards the train station and suddenly, out of nowhere, there's a pop-up beer garden yeah. that wasn't there when we came and there when we left yeah. that's set up for post-match. There for a bit, we all have a laugh, train home. And it was like, you, you can look at that and go, that was unreal. And that I, we, we all sat there and went, why is this not in the Premier League? Yeah. How much was the tickets? Oh, was it like 17 quid or something? 17 pounds. So it was 20 euros. So I think at, at that time it was like 17 pounds yeah. to go and watch a top flight 
it's a tough like game in yeah. Germany. In an you unbelievable get, stadium. You get free travel. Yeah. You've got a match ticket on the train. Guy just comes along, scans your QR code, and away you go. Um, the trains were every five, ten minutes. Everything was clearly signposted, or as it was in German, but it was quite easy to get through as an Englishman who's uh, not, not exactly bilingual outside <laughs> of Liverpool, let alone in Germany. But um, not everything was set up as an infrastructure to make sure that you had the best experience you could have for that day. And yet you go to Premier League and it's just, you go to Premier League games anyway, and it's just obstructive. It's like, pay us more money. You're going to get a watered down product compared to what you're getting over there. Don't get me wrong, the, the players are better over here. We both know that. Yeah. But for a day out and a day's experience, I would go to a Bundesliga game anytime over a Premier League game. I, I, I said when I was there, I remember saying it, I was like, this is, this might be the best match day experience I've ever had. Yeah. It's not my team and it's not Everton, who, you know, I've, you know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for it. It, was, it wasn't Chelsea, it wasn't Everton, it wasn't you know, anything like that. Yeah. It was two German teams I've got no affiliation with. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, apart from that random moment where there was that car on the road and <laughs> no, one, no one quite knew what was going on and then the bombs were arrived and we were all getting a little bit nervous. A little bit worried, yeah. Yeah, a little bit nervous. But apart from that, it was the most chilled out day. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's just met. I, you, you didn't feel like... Sometimes you go to a Prem game and you feel like I'm trying to get caught out of here. Yeah, you go to a Prem game, right? You're going to spend, what, 30, 40 quid on a ticket alone. Yeah. Right? Just to get in. Then, if you're having a drink there, it's five pound a pint. If you have something to eat there, you're looking four or five pounds for a hot dog. Mm. You know, and once the game's finished, everybody leaves and everybody goes home, and that's it. As we, when, when we went to the Hertha Berlin game, it was get there early, we'll have a concourse open, you can have a drink, you can have something to eat, you'll meet your friends. And then when it was done, they reopened the concourse. Yeah. They didn't it say, wasn't... right, everybody, didn't say everybody go home, see you later, yeah. get away with your money. They reopened the concourse, said, if you want to stay, stay. There's beers there, there's food there, chill out. No one's in a rush. Help yourselves. It's a match day experience, as where Premier League games seems to be, uh, how much money have you got on you? Can we shake them down for as much as we can get? And off we go. I mean, even not even in the Premier League, this is, um, again, from Sunderland until I die, the uh, Ricky Gervais fella, what was his name? Oh. Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Men- Charlie. Mental, mental or something? I don't, I don't know. That lunatic who was oh, uh, helping, helping that guy run uh, Sunderland. And he was talking about, um, you know, um, the playoff game. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not part of the season ticket, so we have to charge them, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you know, uh, what are we... And he was like, no, maximum you can get out of them. Tickets, yeah. tickets, you know, it's still a business. What, whatever you can get out of them. And you look and think, and Sunderland's not the most affluent of areas in the UK. They are honest, hardworking people. Um, we were invested in their football club and they wanted to be part of a success after a couple of years of absolute downright mismanagement. And he was like, shake them down for money, shake them down for money. And and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, man, are you ever going to build something sustainable for the future if you're just shaking money out of it? That, there's like, oh, do we do a whole episode on something until I die, I love it, but a few points off that and linking back to what we were saying earlier in terms of you can't do a fit and proper test mm-hmm. beyond a certain point because everything's just your mental state like look Ella Shaw is there he's putting money in and then suddenly he decides they get relegated to the championship and he goes there's no more money this is in season one and I forget the guy's name you've got the director there who the one who was the only one using the cryo chamber oh Martin Bain Martin Bain, that's it. Ricky Gervais, number one. I can't so, believe he spent hundred k on a cryo chamber, and he was the only cat using it. Unreal, mate. Unreal. Another thing. So, like, you've got oh, the owner yeah, going. Yeah. No money's getting spent. Martin Bain's buying cryo chambers. <laughs> but then they're like, and you can appreciate like Martin Bain's in a difficult position where he's kind of the voice of the guy in the friggin' Cayman Islands or wherever he is. Yeah, yeah. And. He's saying there is no money, and what you're all used to doesn't exist anymore. They go for all that palaver. It's a shambles. Jack Rodwell's throwing them in the mix. Shambles. Chris Coleman gets screwed over. They're out. New owners are coming in because they've been relegated again. Ellis Shaw thinks, I've got to get me cash now. I'm out. New owners coming in. You're going into season two thinking, all right, they might, you know, these seem to know what they're talking about. You know, season two starts, and that, you know, you've got that Charlie like, this business was on the verge of collapse. It's it's not your fault. None of you in the c- club didn't know. However, it's one of the worst run things ever. 
you know, they say that thing where the check used to be written and sent off for how much, you know, this is how much we need. Can you send a check over Ellis? You can't run a club like that. And you think, okay, these guys, they seem to know what they're doing. He's talking a bit of sense. And then he starts changing the music on the stage. Uh, what did he go with? Was it the rude oh, sandstorm? Oh, like it's fucking Ibiza. Oh, yeah. I want, to, I want to feel like it's Ibiza, mate. It's Sunderland. What are you talking about? Have a word with yourself. Now we need something a bit more upbeat. And you're like, oh. Don't mess with tradition. Imagine if Mashiri came in and went, I like this set cars, however. <laughs> and next time you go down, you hear some like random Ibiza hit and Zed Cars is gone. Oh, I'd be fuming. Zed Cars is solely a Watford song, and you're like, what? <laughs> like yeah, don't tell me about Watford. So we so we got so they're changing songs and then you know, and then there's that whole um buying Will Grigg thing, which part of me feels like they only bought Will Grigg because he had a popular song. After oh, Jack just... Ross, the manager of the team, <laughs> phones him and says, don't pay over the odds. He's not worth it. His market value is only going to decrease. He's at, the, he's at the top of his game at the moment. There's only one way down after that. Don't spend your money. Go and get somebody else. Or, you know, just we'll make do. No, no, that's fine. I'll pay four mil. It was a really interesting view of a panic buy. Like, why, would you, why would you not listen to your manager? Your manager is a football buy. man. We've been over this. We've spoken about this. If you're going to entrust a manager to run a team, he has to pick the team, he has to know the team, he has to trust the team, they have to trust him. It all has to work at his level. You are obsolete as a chairman in that process. You pick the best man to do the job, and if you start micromanaging over him, you've lost. And that's exactly what he done by going, I'm going to buy him Will Grigg. And he was like, no, it's all right, don't spend too much money. I'm going to pay four mil. Jack Ross must have been sat there thinking, well, when this doesn't work, because I told you it wouldn't, are you going to sack yourself or do I get the bullet? Well, this is the thing. As I mean, he probably sat there thinking, right, I've got him, I've got to work with him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he needs to be kicking. I mean, I'm glad they're both not still working together now after that came out. But, you know, how, he must have been sat there thinking, I could have got that, that, and that, and brought that yeah. in on own for that money. But he spent the entire night trying to get Will Grigg because it was what I think they would have considered a marquee signing. They were always banging on about, you know, social media and followers and fans and trying to fill the stadium, blah, blah, blah. And Will Griggs has got this funky tune that's doing the rounds because he's on fire. And they're probably thinking, if we get him in, everyone's going to be singing the song. Because you could tell that was the kind of mental... Yes, they were going to slap... They were going to slap... And in the club shop with Will Griggs on fire. Get him on the back of his Sunday shirt and he'll sell shirts and this, that and the other. Yeah. We'll put yeah. the rude sandstorm on, we'll have him come out dressed as Will Grigg, oh. and it'll be Will Grigg in the Will Grigg outfit, it'll be funny and oh. do us a favour, mate. Jog on. You could and you could see that was and they they fell in that rabbit hole of now nah, we've got to get it. I think another element on it of they didn't have anyone in and they needed to get someone in, and it was like panic, 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 panic. Well, that's been generated by the transfer window. And who pushes the transfer window more than anyone? We've said this. Sky Sports. Sky Sports benefit massively from this. Yes, the That's yellow tie Jim White yellow tie. Oh. Next to him in yellow dresses. And you're looking thinking, how has this become marketable? <laughs> how has this turned into a TV show? This is our game. And we've, we've pandered to Sky yet again over it. We've oh. pandered. We've sold it off. So Sunderland are sat there and they're thinking, we can't afford to spend four million. But it's January transfer window. We have to get someone in. No, you don't have to get someone in. Well, what do they keep showing in the documentary? Like, what do they keep cutting back to? They're showing him in the boardroom. They're showing the phone call. They're showing this. And then they keep cutting back to Sky Sports News. And they go, Sunderland still haven't got anyone. Oh, Sunderland are still... Oh, the Sunderland fans, what are they waiting for? And he's he's sat there watching it in his thoughts. I've got the ability to go and get myself on Sky Sports here now. I'll just go and sign the player. We come up with a story. We'll sell T-shirts with his name on. We'll have the cool song. Uh, and, you know, if he works, he works. But Jack Ross, ultimately, at that time, was the manager, the coach, the one who was employed to run the team, and it should have been his say. Well, I, I, part, part of me feels like those two only bought into this because they knew there was a TV cameras on it because the cameras are on it before they come in. And I've got a little bit of conspiracy theory on that one anyway. But, you know, it's the reaction they both have when they lose, they lose the... Um, the checker trade or the leasing.com, whatever the hell. It's just when it comes back to Charlie. Charlie's in the the stands telling his his wife, he needs to do this. He needs to do that. You're like, who's a favour, mate? How many coaching qualifications have you got? Uh, Jog on. And you're like, calm yourself. And then, 
they lose and then they lose the League Two playoff final and he's like, well, this isn't, you know, this just isn't. So the League One playoff final and they're like, this just isn't good enough. And you're like, all right, mate. He's, you know, he got robbed on that point. I thought Jack Ross, scapegoat, just like Chris Coleman. And as we know, he eventually gets sacked anyway. Yeah. I feel for them. I genuinely do. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those clubs where you go, look, I mean, what's Chris Coleman done since he's gone and managed in China and now nothing? I really like Chris Coleman. I like Chris Coleman. I wanted it to work for him when he went uh-huh. there. He just seems like an absolute genuine bloke who just wanted to do his best for the club. Yeah. Um, and he was another one who was he was hung out to dry. Um, but any manager who goes into goes into football ultimately knows that in the professional game that there's there's a lot of pressure and some of it you bring on yourself, some of it is forced on you, and that's just part of the role. But if you've got an owner who thinks he knows more than you and you're the coach, there's an issue. You're, we, we touched on it before. Your owner is there to run the business and that's fine. You're there as manager to manage results out of your squad and that's fine. The two cannot mix. Well, you know, we've had 15 years, 15 plus years of Roman Abramovich and it's been interesting to watch the change because there's been a lot of times where he stuck his oar in. Mm-hmm. And then and this is, again, where you get to the point where you go, well, ultimately, it's his money, so who do I have the right to tell him what to do? But, the, the, you know, in terms of buying players, he bought Shevchenko, which clearly Jose didn't want. Didn't and, he work. Bought, and when Torres got bought, both of those signings were for big money at the time, 35 and 50 mil, mm. and they were big flexes. They were big flexes to go, I'm still a top dog, we're still a top club. Yeah. And you can out I don't know, pers- you, could, you definitely know Jose didn't want Shevchenko, because there was all that stuff about him being Roman spy that came out, and that doesn't yeah. just leak. And then I don't know if Carlo wanted Torres. It it seemed like Carlo got told, "Oh, here's Torres," and he was like, "Oh, okay, I'm now going to make him and Drogba work with one striker up front." Well, his system was always to play with the one, wasn't it? That's yeah. So it never. And, and out of the two, Drogba was a in form, b a club legend, oh. and c for me head and shoulders above Torres due to the fact that he wasn't injured every five minutes. Torres at Liverpool in his pomp was unplayable, but Torres as he was leaving Liverpool going to Chelsea, unfortunately, was a bit broken. Yeah. Look, the previous season we had um, Sturridge, Drogba, Kalou, Malouda and Nelka all mixing in as a three, and we won the league scoring the record goals at that time. So why would you need somebody else? Because we go into the summer and it's not looking a bit meh, and then this becomes available. And he backed two against us. You know, they, they talk about this all the time. He always scored against us. Like, it was obscene. And then I think they've sat there and gone, fine. Well, if we sign him, he can't score against us next year. Mate, we bought Salah for the same reason. We played yeah. Basel, like, three times in two years or some garbage I like mean, that. And he scored every time and they went, get him in. We played yeah, Genk. Well, we played Genk. And that's when we bought De Bruyne and Courtois. To be fair, two quality players. We'll never know. Salah ended up being a quality player. We'll never know. What do you mean, we'll never know? Chelsea fans will never know. About? If they would have been any good. Oh, the, no, they're good on their own right. Let's oh, I know. I mean, Courtois, I know you can't stand them personally, like, but Courtois is a quality goalkeeper. Quick question, Courtois or Kepa, who would you have as number one at Chelsea right now? Courtois. Exactly. And De Bruyne walks into any team in the Premier League. Oh, God, yeah. Easily. So, just while I've got your attention, oh, well, while we've been on uh, on this episode recording, right. Gary Neville has tweeted, oh. um, June 8th for the Premier League return. This is being briefed anonymously. No one wants to put the name against this one. Oh. And he's at the Premier League. So, John Cross from the, uh, the Mirror has said, that was the day's openly discussed at the last Premier League meeting, Gary. Gary's replied, anyone putting the name on it? Not heard one Premier League club or official state they're behind it. To which John Cross from the minute has said, it was on our back page, it came out of that meeting, it's the best case scenario. Gary said, yeah, I know, John. Who's put the name to it and stated they believe it? Can't you get an interview with anyone who said they voted for it and supported 100%? Because I can't. Jeez. I love Twitter, by the way. Someone's reply. I... Someone's reply, right? I, I, I'm i just going to read this out to you yeah. because I love Twitter. It's, <laughs> I can't believe it's free. It's Someone's replied there. I won't name names because it's not fair. Needs to be cancelled. Already at Aston Villa. We've had Pepe Reina saying he's never been more ill at the club. Masher in ITU fighting for his life. They're humans, not performer monkeys. First reply to that guy take your relegation, never come back. <laughs> wow. It's so relevant. 
what was that one you said yesterday? Uh, wow. It was um, cancel it all, but stick Liverpool and Leeds in Old Trafford and see who cries the most. And see who's crying the most, yeah. Cancel it all. So Leeds will be there crying oh. because they don't come up. Liverpool will be there crying because they don't get the league, but they've got to play the game at Man United. Oh. Unreal, mate. Levels I, of sauciness. I, I got a lot of. I have a lot of respect for Gary Neville. I like Gary Neville. I think, like most people, when he when they announced he was coming on, I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Hated him as a player, and then I, yeah. fell in love with him almost instantly when you realised he wasn't. He's come out the bit of a bias street, or at least what looked like it. But he talks sense. He talks truth. Those onions. Look at the amount of how often he goes in on the Premier League, mm-hmm. and you're like, he he's got links to Manchester. Like the Prem could quite easily go to Manchester and go like, hey. You know, other words. He's got hotels outside Manchester. He's clearly involved in Manchester deeply. He owns Salford. You know, part of it, he works for Sky. But he's got no shame in going, I'm calling you out on that. What's going on? And he's done it a number of times. And I kind of respect that he doesn't just think that and I hide behind, or oh, this might come back and bite me on the arse one day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like him. I like him like that. I like the way, as you say, he holds everybody to account, and he's not scared to get his, his name out there and, and ruffle a few feathers. Similar to Carragher, he's another one I thought I wouldn't like when he come on, but he yeah. does exactly the same. They're both not scared to, to put the name to it and say, "Look, this is my belief, whether it's right or wrong. I don't care who the institution is. Someone needs to tell him." And I like that about the pair of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can get behind that. Look, get, you know, he's got a. He's got a vested interest in this, how this all pans out and being a part owner of Salford. Of course, yeah, yeah. The rest of the class 92 and, and the fella's name, yeah. I forget who owns Valencia. That, you know, just because they've got a load of money doesn't mean they're safe. No, no, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they've personally got a lot of money, but it's, it's how much is invested yeah. in and how it's going to be reinvested and how it's going to be sustainable as its own, its own business and its own club going forward. So, yeah, that, of course, the ramifications that will hit the Premier League and the EFL, will all filter down and it is what it is, isn't it? You know, they're, they're going to have to, to pay close attention to it, but what are you, we'll, have uh, to, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that front, won't we, I suppose? Yeah, what do you think of the old, um, that thing that came out the other day that was talking about the, uh, the proposed discussion of how to get out of League One and League Two if they don't get all the games finished? Uh, I loved, by the way, that this didn't include the Championship and I think it doesn't include the Championship because... It goes, it takes you into the Prem. They don't finish all the League One or League Two games. Yeah, yeah. So either top two go through on merit, two extra teams in the league next season, two extra relegations next season, or eight top eight mini tournament, two go up or one goes up, two and one extra come down next season. Um, I'm easy with either to be honest. Um. Simply because they're both fair. If you're top and if you're top after thirty odd games, you've earned that right to say, "Well, we're top as it is." So if you're going to call it as it is, we're here right now, so mm. we deserve it. Same argument with Liverpool getting the title and, and Norwich and that going down. Um, but either way, they're addressing the issue by saying, "Well, that that's fair in its own right." But if you guys vote for this, we'll do the eight man mini the eight um, team mini tournaments, and, and we'll get it sorted that way. But either way, they're addressing the issue. They're not just sitting there going. I'm going to wait to see what another big one does. Yeah. I love how the Championship wasn't included in that, though. Again, how much money's in the Championship compared to League Two? How much money's in the playoff alone, especially the final? Exactly. Look at look at the Championship, right? I mean, if you read out the current Championship um, as, as teams from top to bottom, and you look at it, you must look and think, right, okay, well, how many of them teams used to be Premier League or are not far away? So you're looking at Leeds, West Brom. Leeds are a massive club, huge um, West Brom Premier League only a couple of years ago Fulham Premier yeah. League a few years ago Nottingham Forest former European champions um, let's go further down the list Millwall big club Cardiff former Premier League Blackburn have actually won it Swansea Premier League for a while Derby County have been QPR Reading Sheffield Birmingham Stoke Huddersfield Butter Wigan Hull they're all huge clubs they've all been in or around how many of them haven't been in the Prem? Haven't um, let me have a look. Luton Town. I'm going up the list. Luton Town haven't been. Bristol City haven't been. Preston North End haven't been. Brentford haven't haven't been. That's, That's it. Every, everybody else has been in the Premier League yeah. at some point, or in the top league, or won it, or been in Europe, and and at least contributed to this mega behemoth that is the Premier League. Yeah. 
which again, money. Money, money, money. It's all money. It's all relevance. It's all money. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it all stems back to that, like we, we, we've said. It'll be interesting. I hope they make hope they make the right decision. I hope they make the right decision soon. Yeah. Because well, we're just going round and round and round and round in circles. Which is, which is great for people like me and you. Because we've got stuff to actually talk about in exactly. this downtime. But either way, when they make a decision, we'll be able to get another episode out of it. You know, we'll be able to, to have a conversation about it, and we won't always agree on it either. But you know, the important thing is we go away and we understand that I was right and you were wrong. So it's <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is you get back in line. Yeah, fair enough. Place. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Apologies. Oh. Yeah, so grand. Um, yeah. I believe that's us for today. Yeah, that is us for today. Thanks for listening again, guys. Didn't do an intro, but, you know, just flow into it. Didn't think yeah, we're just flowing into honest. it. You, you people are clever enough. You don't need us to tell you that football is passionate and football is emotional and it's it's subjective, so you may not agree with what we do or what, or rather how we do or how we say or what we say or what we believe in, but equally, we'll listen to you as much as you listen to us. It is what it is. Yeah. YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, all your podcast services were now on. That's sorted, done and dusted. So please like, subscribe on those various platforms, leave us a nice rating or review. Helps yeah, that would, that would be nice. Um, and again, if you've got any content you want working over or if you want to you know, get a discussion going or if you want to see something online that we're not doing at the moment, then please just let us know. Um, we're on Twitter, as usual, at Two Men Rambling. Uh, that's the number two men rambling, all one word. Um, give us a like, give us a retweet, um, drop a message if you want any specific content going over. Um, yeah, just get, get yourselves involved, guys. Um, we're here not for our own overinflated egos. We're here to make sure that we can put some sort of a service out to you people and get get the bait going, um, whether it be from grassroots point of view, i.e. myself or super fan as per Jacques, international jet setter. And he's not flying around Bundesliga watching games. Oh, just before we leave, by the way, in the Bundesliga, what the was it? Region of Liga North. We went to a game on the Sunday. Oh, Victoria Berlin versus Babel Victoria Berlin, Berlin against Babel's we, we are going to have to go into. The story we'll cover that on the next one. Yes, that was, yes, that was a great day out. That was a hell of a story. No, Fantastic. All right, man. Fantastic. Sound happy days, right? Well, I'll catch you soon, guys. We'll see you all soon. See you soon, guys.